Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Sydney's one sleep away. It'll be great for all the drivers as well to go to track like that. Great opportunities we have as drivers to go to a brand new facility. This event is going to be an unbelievable success. We preview the Telstra 500 action today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. So what are the facts of the new Sydney circuit? Well, it's a 3.4km anti-clockwise racetrack. Walkinshaw Racing predict the top speed will be 250km per hour at the end of Pitt Strait. The slowest points will be at turns 12 and 13. Which is interesting because the official track map only has 10 turns listed on it. But we'll have to wait till 12.35 on Friday to find out how those predictions pan out. And the first laps in anger will be turned by the main game cars. Cole Hitchcock says that the corporate sellout will be matched by the general admission fans. Absolutely, this event's going to blow everyone away. I mean, you know, we've been to Adelaide, we've been to the Gold Coast... Hamilton, you know, some of these uh, these big street circuits, but this is going to be the be-all and end-all of, uh, of, of street races and, and, and big events, I've got to say. It's not just about, uh, uh, you know, uh, the fact that we're racing around the streets of Olympic Park. Um, there's so many more facets to it. That's the big bonus that people get when they buy their ticket, and it's all-inclusive, including free transport. Todd Kelly has spoken about the work going on behind the scenes to get him back on track in the oldest car in the Kelly Racing Fleet. It's going to be fairly similar to what I've been driving, but just little things like uh, the seating position is a lot further inboard on our current cars to the car I'll be in at Homebush, and there's a few little things in the chassis. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm quite excited about seeing what I can doing the old girl. I think that chassis may have even been the first VE that Larry ever built. So to jump in that car and uh, and see if I can get it in the top 10 and get a result out of it is uh, you know, it's a pretty exciting challenge. Kelly is looking to close out the year with a strong performance at the Sydney track. Well, we can't wait just to see how big it's actually going to be. It's, uh, you know, it's probably the biggest thing that's happened in V8 supercars uh, really since I've been in the game. Carl Reindler will be the third driver of Brad Jones Racing as the team expands in 2010. Current driver Cam McConville will be making his final start as a regular season main game driver. While the future of Jason Bright is yet to be confirmed, it looks like he will be in the McConville seat if he can secure a successful lease to his licence, which was used by Paul Cruikshank in 2010. Paul Cruikshank will make his final appearance as a team owner for the time being. The New Zealand South Islander will be moving from the Gold Coast to Melbourne in 2010 with an announcement on his future expected in the next couple of days.
Sprint Gas Racing will have its final appearance. This event is going to be an unbelievable success. At the track this weekend with Jason Barguana moving to Kelly Racing and Greg Murphy all but confirmed at Paul Morris Motorsport in the Castrol car. Talking Castrol, they have confirmed that they will be with Paul Morris Motorsport and continuing on at Ford Performance Racing. Ford Performance Racing, of course, thrilled to have a foundation sponsor sticking with the team. Craig Lowndes and Jamie Winkup have been pressing the media as hard as Tony Costello this week in the lead-up to the Sydney 500. Winkup, on the eve of his back-to-back championship, is looking forward to the event, saying that he's not going to take it easy. Whilst Craig Lowndes has told the V8 Insiders his feelings going into this race. Being a new circuit, you want to have spend as much time you can walking it, analysing it, and uh, you know just revisiting areas and corners that uh, you think that uh, may cause a drama. And uh, you know not only us but engineers and team will be down there getting prepared. From what we can understand, it's going to be quite a bumpy surface or a texture to the surface and uh, you know, that's something that uh, should put us in good stead. Our cars generally ride bumps really well. If you look at uh, um, in, uh, Homebush over in New Zealand and Adelaide at the start of the season, they're both quite bumpy street circuits, which uh, by the sounds of it, Homebush will be. One of the big endings that Ford fans won't be happy about is the end of Triple Eight's involvement with the Ford manufacturer. But as all things come to an end... Plenty more going on behind the background to have some Ford cars perhaps back on the grid sooner than you might think. V8 Supercar commentator and V8 Insider guest Chris Jewell has been confirmed as the voice of the series in season 2010. Look, it's great to uh, be able to continue going into a second year. I um, I certainly didn't um, you know, contribute the time I know that's needed to do a good job to the program for a year in isolation so I'm hoping that not only is it next year but it'll be something that we can continue to do for many years to come. And on the eve of the the biggest event in the history of the sport how are you feeling? (laughs) Well let's hope it is. Um, Certainly uh, the magnitude of it should be fantastic and I'm just hoping the outcome of it is equally in line with with, that. Excuse me, with the, um, the expectations. But look, the weather looks like it's going to be good. Um, hard to, um, to to doubt any of the off-track entertainment's value and the amount of people that will be interested in that part of it as well. A little bit of a shame that we've lost some of the luster from the championship challenge proper. But um, their expectation is is at fever pitch. But um, yeah, just hoping that on Monday when we look back at it, we say, wow, that actually exceeded our expectations and that's exactly what happened at Townsville earlier in the year. So there's no reason to expect anything less, is there? And finally, this weekend, we'll see Sir Jack Brabham being honoured at the event. Brabham, who is the oldest living Formula One world champion, has celebrated 50 years since his first world driver's title. On Sunday, Sir Jack's grandson Matthew, the son of the 1993 Le Mans winner, Jeff, will drive a Brabham BT24, and his son David, the 2009 Le Mans winner, who will be visiting from his home in England, will steer a Brabham BT6 as part of the tribute. Brabham, who started his racing career in Sydney, racing midgets or speed cars at the Speedway Royale at the old Sydney showground circuit, and of course at Westmead Speedway, which is located only 10 kilometres away from the home book circuit, will be pleased to see the V8s in action, I'm sure. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Neville Wilkinson and Mark Fogarty will be along. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders. 
take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it is Mark Fogarty from Auto Action and Neville Wilkinson from V8X Magazine. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Evening, Craig. Plenty to talk about today. Isn't there what? Uh, if you're not sick of silly season, just uh, we've got this race in Sydney that is totally captivating everyone's attention and with uh, breakfast, grand final breakfast and the awards ceremony capping it off, it is a huge, huge weekend for motorsport. But folks, is this the biggest thing that's ever happened in Sydney for motorsport? Well, first off, I'd ask Craig, is it capturing everybody's attention? It seems to me that really the publicity machine and the interest in the race in Sydney has only really started, you know, gathering some momentum this week. And, you know, to be brutally honest, in Melbourne, and I suspect, you know, other capital cities, um, there's very little coverage about it all, uh, about it at all. So that's a bit concerning. And, and from um, people, friends of mine up in Sydney and people who have been travelling there recently, and I'm saying this up until this week, um, there was really very little sign they report to me that this uh, big event was, was on. So, I, you know... I hope it ramps up in a hurry, mind you, according to Tony Cochran. You know, as of recently, they'd sold, you know, 140-odd thousand um, tickets um, for the weekend. So clearly it's not a problem. But I just would have thought from the southern perspective, it it could have been a, a bit bigger as, as a national event. I'm not sure if it's capturing national attention. But back to your question, is it the biggest motorsport event in Sydney? Well, clearly, yes. There's never been anything in Sydney on this scale, um, Sydney has been a, a black hole for V8 supercars, um, if not touring car racing in general, you know, going back to, you know, whenever you like. So this event, the Sydney Telstra 500, really, it's crucial. It, it's make or break at this stage. I, I think it's going to be make, um, but the first event is not the true test. It's subsequent events. And uh, don't forget, there's still some elements of the mainstream media up in New South Wales, they're still taking some, you know, some pretty serious pot shots at, at this event. And while they're not, you know, dealing cri- crippling injuries, you know, they're certainly uh, stinging quite a lot. The uh, ABC, I know their program up there, ABC, ABC TV's uh, state line has been working over the race pretty heavily. And um, the Fairfax media have um, proven in the past to be no friend of V8 supercars or motor racing in Sydney. And I, I'm sure there'll be some um, environmental protests uh, brought to the fore in the run-up to the event. Now, Neville, we were all at the launch of the event when we had that uh, amazing protest of about four people. Is this what the protest is going to be? A very, very small minority that uh, does captivate the Sydney media? Well... I mean, you're going to have the same issue that Melbourne had with the Grand Prix. I mean, there is going to be a, a vocal minority. Um, we don't hear much of them nowadays in Melbourne. And um, if the event continues in Sydney, 
which is, remains to be seen, and we hope it does, then it'll probably go the same way. Um, but getting back to what folks are saying, we, I mean, we're all looking about uh, outside of Sydney on what's going on, and honestly, V8 Supercars are really trying to impress Sydney with this event. Sure, it's a, it's a national event, blah, 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 but let's face it, Sydney's in. And when it comes to Sydney ciders, Sydney's the only city on earth, and let's face it, V8 Supercars are going wholeheartedly at impressing Sydney and only Sydney, because that's all they need to do. Because once they get those guys enthused, then the rest will happen, and hopefully those other years will be just as successful as hopefully this year is. So, and and also, um, the Coco saying 130, 140,000 people. That's over the three days, obviously. Mm-hmm. It is, but... This is supposed still... to be a national sport, though, isn't it? I mean, that's what they keep telling us. So, yes, but all the advertisers you know, and all of... attention down here. Well, well, I'm we're... to start. Yeah, well, I'm talking this... about the media now. Yeah, well, we're going to be here regardless, isn't it? We would have been going to Eastern Creek. Sure, we would have been, like, not happy going to Eastern Creek, but we would have been going to Eastern Creek if they had an Eastern Creek round. This is all about trying to get, the, obviously, the, the the folks who live in, in Sydney to come out to this event because we all know that it's not the sporting capital of Australia, right? Victoria tends to be the sporting capital because Victorians get out and support the sporting events. Adelaide, South Australia, gets out and supports the uh, Clips for 500. Don't expect a Clips for 500 because Sydney isn't Adelaide. Uh, Sydney's a bigger city. Um, you might get the same crowd, but you're not going to get the same vibe that Adelaide puts on for Clips for 500. It's going to be a different kettle of fish here. It's, it's interesting when you, uh, when you look at it, though, because... V8 supercars are funding this themselves. This is the the biggest risk they've ever taken in a events point of view. So I'm sure that they've done the maths and they've worked out it's not going to sink the ship, but there'd be some very, very nervous people wondering about how much money they have personally put in to underwrite this event, folks. I don't think there's any doubt that this inaugural event will be successful. You know, the scale of the ticket sales so far, you know, is real, and the the sold out, all the corporate hospitality has been sold out. I don't think there's any doubt that this event, um, you know, will be successful. Um, whether it makes money, um, well, you'd have to look at the books, and we won't ever get to do that. Bs Supercars has spent a lot of money. Bs Supercars Australia in uh, you know, promoting this event. So they've taken the big risk, as you say. But I think you know, for a first event, it's going to get off to the best possible start. Maintaining the momentum you know, in following years will be the real test. Um, the success of this event, if it really does captivate Sydney and, and you know, does go off without a hitch, and it is a really big event, because don't forget, this is more an event than it is a race. Um, there's been huge promotion up in Sydney, uh, well, the, the emphasis of the promotion has been on, you know, that this is an event, something to come to, and there's a massive emphasis on the the, um, the rock and roll aspect of it and the comeback of Cold Chisel. Um, so they're selling this as an event, not as a, as a motor race. That, of course, is, is the way of the world these days, and that's how street circuits, uh, street circuit event, motor races work. Um, so I just don't think this event will be the crippler. I think down the track, you know, that's when the real test of its success and profitability will be. But I'm sure that Tony Cochran and his men have um, worked it out very carefully, and if there's a chance of making a buck out of it, um, 
There you guys. Well, this is also this is this is a this is a big gamble. If VA Supercars can make this work, then it's going to kick the motorsport or V8 supercars into a, a whole new era, a whole new phase. It's got the growth of the sport. It's kind of like the growth of the sport or V8 supercars hinges on this event. Um, because if it doesn't work, this event doesn't work and goes the way of, say, Canberra, God forbid, right, then it's got Nothing to... wrong with Canberra in that first year, mate. You know, I, I love Canberra, but the thing was, if it goes that way, it's going to put the sport, not back, it's going to hold it back from growth, because where else does it have to grow, except maybe go to some more overseas rounds? But at the moment, in Australia, it needs to capture the imagination of Sydney, and if it captures the imagination of Sydney, most of the advertising agencies and all those big corporations are in Sydney. It's in their backyard. That this is the, this is the whole new phase of V8 supercars. If they can make this work, and I hope they do. I mean, you know, for the good of the sport, I hope they do. It has to. This has just got to work. So yeah, there's, there's no middle ground. You know, this this event has to take off, and it has to capture big interest in Sydney, or or else, well. It'll be, have serious consequences for the sport overall. And, and basically, if it weren't to work, you could just kiss Sydney goodbye as a viable venue for V8 supercars. You know, I, I agree. I agree with you, folks. You can draw crowds everywhere else except Sydney, it seems. But, you know, hopefully this weekend will be the turning point. See, uh, we'll have to go to a break here in a moment. So I'm going to hold this question over. I'll go to my other question. Folks, is this, do you think people are going to see V8s or are they going to see Cold Chisel? It was a topic that came up last week, and it's come up a couple of times, that perhaps this is the cold chisel concert that's got a race happening around it. Uh, well, you'd be tempted to think that, wouldn't you? It's a very good question, and, and one I'd love to know the answer to, and I've asked this of myself many times. Like in the halcyon days of Formula One over in Adelaide when they had, you know, they, they introduced this concept of, 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 a, of a motor race um, you know, spiced up or its appeal improved by having, you know, concerts after the racing. And they've done it in recent years, of course, at the Australian Grand Prix with, um, who do they have, Kiss and then The Who. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of my mates down here in Melbourne who, you know, not really so deeply involved in motor racing that they actually wanted to go to the Grand Prix. But um, both those bands, Kiss and The Who, they, they got them off their backsides and got them out to the track just so they could go to the concert. So, and, and I often wonder sometimes, well, if you go to all the trouble of having these these big acts, you know, they would be self-supporting. You, you, you could stage a concert with Cold Chisel making a comeback in its own right and be successful, just as you could have had a, a Who concert or a Kiss concert. So it, it leaves me a bit befuddled sometimes as why we have to resort to these lengths to attract crowds, because it's supposed to be the V8 supercars that, that are the main attraction, but sometimes I wonder, and I've got to say... You know, I've never been to a big concert and had the offer of going to a uh, a motor race afterwards as a support act. Yeah, that's right. Hey, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with Neville's thoughts on the concert and more in just a few moments. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. 
V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Auto Action, it's the editor-at-large in Mark Fogarty and also the editor at Small. I don't know. What's the, what's the opposite of editor-at-large, Nev? Because know. you're in the office every day. I'm editor-in-chief. He's the grand poober. Well, that's it. The publisher of V8X magazine. The he's grand poober. And he's here. Nev, gotta... just before the break, we talked about the, the concert. Is this a concert with a motor race support, or is it a motor race with a concert support? Damn straight, it's a concert with a motor race support. Have you seen all the advertising lately? Have you been on the vhsupercarwebsite.com.au? Are they talking about bands or are they talking about motorsport? Look at the ads. It's all about the bands and there's a motorsport. And Tony Cochran is not shy in admitting that. It's rock and race. It's not race and rock, it's rock and race. And he'll do anything to get people to this event because he's a showman. And that's that's basically down to it. What, what more can I say? It's a concert with a race on it, tacked on. Well, if you if you're my, looking at the advertising, my question is: Everyone goes Sydney's hopeless. They never get a crowd. They never do this. They never do that. Last time I checked, Oran Park was in Sydney, and from my memory of going to Oran Park for a good number of years, they never had trouble getting a crowd, folks. It looked like it. Uh, but I don't think the figures were ever as um, as fat as they made out because the thing with Oran Park is that the crowd were crammed, if you like, into a relatively small space and uh, it, it always looked like there was a much bigger crowd. But if, I remember, you know, looking around in, in the, you know, the last few years we were there and you could see that, you know, there was just one sort of, I don't know, it was, restricted to about a fifth of the track, certainly, you know, up around the top corner leading onto the main straight. And people were packed in there, and it looked like there was a big crowd. But if you look around the rest of the track, you know, there was really nobody around, whereas at Eastern Creek, and I'm not saying Eastern Creek's crowds were great, but, there were, you know, the, the few that were there that were, were spread out a lot more. So um, while Oran Park clearly was popular, particularly with motor racing aficionados, um, I was never convinced that the crowds... Um, you know, were the, I don't know what they used to say, that there were like 30,000, 35,000-odd, you know, on the Sunday main race day. Not not sure I'm buying that. I think it was an optical illusion. You know, Oran yeah. Park had its following, and, you know, people who went there loved the track and, and the layout of it and the fact that, you know, in that one area, you know, up around the, t- you know, the top end of the circuit, if you like, you know, the viewing was really good. It, you know, it's still one of the best viewing places I can think of in this country where you can just sit on that hill there and look down over the cars um, into that, well, I don't know, it used to be called BP Corner. I can't remember what, what the hell we call it these days. Um, so that, that's my take on it. It had a particular following, but it, it was nowhere near, you know, one of the, the biggest attendances um, of, of the series. I, I'm convinced of that. You know, I'll miss Oran Park but I think it was um, hyped up a little bit. Um, and I think it was used as a bit of a political... In a game of political football, it suited uh, V8 supercars, you know, to um, glorify what was going on at Oran Park, you know, while they stuck the boot into Eastern Creek. Because, Eastern, you know, Eastern Creek, 
from what I could tell over the last several years, was just on the nose. For whatever reason, people really didn't want to go there. And that always just staggered me because, you know, it's out there in the way west of Sydney. You know, it should have been Petrol Head Central, but um, people just didn't want to go there for reasons that are beyond me, except there was just some sort of, you know, stench about the place for whatever reason. Mm. Well, I would say I would say Oran Park was holding the sport back in Sydney, and what the why I say that is the place was never improved for the spectators. I mean, if you got someone of any notoriety who wanted to take an interest, and I'm talking corporates here, they'd go out to Oran Park, and the place was a mess. It was nothing was spent on it to upgrade it. I mean, it was an old building and needed the wrecking ball put to it, either shoot the thing and put it down or improve the place, but do something, and they decided to shoot the place or put it down and build houses on it. It was worth more anyway that way. Great racetrack came about the facilities. Correct. Yeah, and like just about every uh, racetrack that has preceded it in Sydney. That's it's right. now accommodation or shopping centres, isn't it, Stokes? Yeah, well, we lost Amaru Park, and that was one of the best um, viewing tracks in, in terms of traditional permanent circuits that you would ever find anywhere. Um, that was great for viewing. You know, the, the facilities, by our standards, were, were rubbish, but in its day, it was a great place because you could sit on the hill or around the track and, again, looking down on the cars, and it was rapid action because it was a very short circuit and very spectacular. Um, you know, in its day, it, it was a great little venue. Yeah. Mm. And it had a speedway at it too, so it must be good. Hey, 3.4 kilometres is the Sydney course, 250 kilometres an hour, the maximum speed. And uh, as I said in the news, Walkinshaw performance say the slowest turns will be turns 12 and 13. And when I looked at the track map, the track map only had 10 turns on it. So um, obviously there is uh, some interesting uh, stuff coming out of the uh, computer simulators on what they expect. But is this track going to serve as a great postcard for V8 supercars, or is it just Canberra with a six-lane front straight? <laughs> well, I hear there's pretty some pretty narrow bits to it, just like Canberra. Um, who well, who knows? Who knows? Straight. Maybe this question should be asked after the event. It could turn out to be an absolute cracker. You know, and it may need some adjustments here and there. Remember, Adelaide's been adjusted several times over the years to get where it is today. So, I mean, in all fairness to the track, let's see how it goes. Um, let's give it some time to get adjusted, blah, 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 and, and, and take it from there. But I think next week we should be having this conversation of was the track, what was, what are your impressions of the track? Because, honestly, I've got no idea. I think it's in grave danger of being overhyped. Um, you know, it's a street circuit and just traditionally, you know, they're not the best for promoting, you know, ferocious racing. They're, they're spectacular, you know, for other reasons, you know, the, the bash and the crash and the curb hopping and, you know, bouncing off walls. And so, you know, by its very nature, unless they've, you know, come up with something spectacular and I doubt that, you know, something magical and I doubt that they have, um, it will have many of the problems and many of the advantages of a street circuit, but I still think it'll come down to, you know, pretty average racing. But as a spectacle to look at, it should be pretty flash because it's, you know, in the Sydney Olympic Park arena, it's going to have all those um, well-known um, buildings and, and stadia in the in the background. I mean, it's not going to look like it if it were held around the rocks and with the Sydney Harbour in the, in the background, although I'm sure when the telecast starts, you'll be bombarded with 
vision of Sydney Harbour and all the famous sites of Sydney, even though they're you know a good forty minutes away by car on a good day. Um, so I, you know, I'm reserving judgment. I think it'll be probably a reasonable street circuit. Um, Mark Scaife's been heavily involved in in the design and um, you know adapting the the roads that are available and tried to incorporate sort of some of the the best parts of the surface paradise street circuit and the Adelaide Parkland circuit. So um, as a bit of a hybrid, um, it'll probably be okay, but I, I can't see the racing being outrageous because as we've seen, you know, to get outrageous racing out of these cars in the current configuration, you need very wide corners. You know, they need room to move. That's why the racing is usually pretty good at Bahrain because that's wide open spaces and they've got, you know, room to burn in the corners. So um, Nev's right. We've got to reserve judgment until we see the action. But, you know, historically, I wouldn't be um, holding up much hope. Mm, all right. We need to take a break and uh, go to gas and go on the white flag lap. But just before we do, Neville, what's going to be the biggest swan song at this weekend's event? The biggest swan song? Yep. Cool. Is it going well, to be I'm, from the out of about, there? Is well, it Sprint Gas Racing ending its tenure? Paul Cruikshank ending its tenure. Oh, I think it's probably going to be Cameron McConville. I think Tasman is going to just kind of just slip away into nowhere. And Cruikshank's going to be back, I reckon. I don't think he's leaving the sport. He's going to take a, probably a breather. Um, but he'll be back, don't you worry. Um, so I think Cam Cam is the swan song. Um, and and, and why, why shouldn't it be? He's been around for a while. He's a good driver. And um, he probably deserves it. What about you, folks? Well, well, the world's hardly going to stop rotating on its axis because of those departures, is it? Well, they're you know, not they're the not like they're not like they're not like they're big names leaving the sport. No, no disrespect, particularly to Cameron McConville. You know, he's done sterling service, um, but with the best will in the world, you know, he's not a draw card, nah. um, and nobody's going to miss Tasman Motorsport. I'm afraid they've been an abject failure in their time and all but ruined the career of Greg Murphy. And Paul Crookshank racing well, you know, the numbers just didn't add up and he's got to get out and um, regroup, consolidate. And, yeah, I'm sure he wants to get back in, um, but he's learned some very hard lessons out of all this. Um, I I think, you know, Paul might be better to um, rely on his expertise and get a job with with another big team and... um, you know, apply his experience, international experience, I made it, um, to helping those teams because I can't for the life of me think why he would want to go through the financial agony of trying to run a small team again because it's been very, very, very costly so far. I think the big, I mean, if we've got a farewell or a swan song, as you put it, Craig, I, I guess the closest we've got to something that's significant is it's the last race for Team Vodafone using um, Ford equipment not that you can find a ford badge on the hogsters um this is their last event yeah this is the last event in those um you know pig-faced cars um before they switch over to holden next year and it's also you know craig lowndes farewell to ford um the end of his contract with ford and his return to holden so that's probably if we're waving bye-bye um that's probably the most significant development all right. Oh, okay. Well, I'd say I'd say one more thing. One more thing. The swan song, cryptically, for V8 supercars. That is, it could be the swan. If it works, it's a swan song for Eastern Creek. I mean, for V8 supercars. I'm talking. They'll they'll still function, but not with V8 supercars going there again. 
That's dead and buried six feet under already, Neb. We'll take a break and be back with Guess and Go on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, as Mark Fogarty from Auto Action and Neville Wilkinson from V8X are still with me. It's the White Flag Lap and it's Gas and Go time. Gas and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. That's the one with a Bathurst winner on the cover and the interesting Castrol livery car as well, which uh, is looking more and more like Greg Murphy's each and every day. The more that Paul Morris does protest is uh, probably the guarantee to the whole deal. This is Gas and Go, starting with Mark Fogarty. Is the board out to get Jason Bright, do you think? They refused his lease, but they said he could sell it. Well, you view that as the board making life difficult for Brighty, but they would probably argue that um, he's trying to pull, well, not a Swifty, but, you know, a bit of manoeuvring by, you know, initially wanting to um, lease his license, so which would mean, technically speaking, I suppose, he, he would have two licenses, two wrecks, I'm sorry, raising entitlement contracts out on lease. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to sell it one of his licenses in the end and, and keep one to use for himself when he goes off to Brad Jones Racing, which may is, looks like running three cars. Um, but it's got so confused that I just wonder what Bridie's really up to. You know, he seems to be wanting to eat his cake uh, have his cake and eat it too, or if you're less charitable, charitable, say that he's playing both ends against the middle. But you know, the, the fact is that going out on his own as a team owner hasn't worked. You know, neither on the track nor financially. So he has to sell, get rid of a license, and regroup. You know, he says that one day in a couple of years maybe he wants to get back to running his own team. I have no idea, again, why he would want to do that. I would have thought the experience of the last few years would have cured him of that. Um, and certainly trying to be an owner-driver these days, you know, it's just not on anymore. The, the business is too big. So um, I hate to say it, but, you know, really, I think any problems that Brady's having is probably, you know, somewhat to his own making. I don't think there's any, you know, any move out to get him or anything like that. I, I You know, I can't think why the board would want to, you know. Um, they want to keep the sport healthy and, and promote you know, these license or wreck transactions. So um, bottom line of that is that uh, I'm not buying it, but <laughs> this is V8 Supercars, so nothing would surprise me in the end, really. Nev, what's your thoughts? I don't think the V8 Supercar board are out to get him at all. I think Bridie's his own worst enemy in that regard. I think Bridie needs to make a decision, or probably has by now made the decision, and I think... Basically, he's going to end up selling one of his licences. Well, we've seen a lot of things change this year, Nev. What's been the biggest success of the season? Well, we may be sitting on one right now. We don't know. All right, exclude Sydney then. 
biggest biggest success. Uh, no, there's, there hasn't been massive successes. I think this is the biggest change. Maybe not going to Bahrain, but I wouldn't call that a success. It just it's it, things are different. Uh, oh, soft tyres. What about the ethanol? What about well, the pit stops? Well, the jury's still out on all of those. I think, okay, I would say that, uh, the soft tyres was successful in my eyes as a fan. They just need to, their supercars have got something there. They need to capitalise on that and, and also learn how to educate the fans or find a way to educate the fans who are at the track to what's going on. But I think the sprint tyres may be something. And, and, and I'd like to see sprint tyres go as the main tyre, the only tyre, and see how that goes as well, you know. I'd like to see a tyre that goes off. But then again, that lends its uh, belief to the other st- uh, other uh, way of thinking that then teams start um, uh, just in the old days when when the tyres used to go off fairly quickly the teams they'd all just get behind each other and go the same pace so the tyres never totally wore out or whatever but they never did any passing and all that kind of stuff so um, who knows folks what's your thoughts on the biggest success of the season well for a start the soft tyres did nothing but highlight the inadequacies of the control tyre. Um, you know, it's well past its use by date. This, you know, hard, uncompromising uh, control tyre they use. You know, clearly, you know, for purposes of improving the racing, improving, um, you know, when the tyres are at their peak. You know, cutting braking distances and giving the cars more grip in the corners. You know, to give them a, a better chance of, of overtaking. The soft tyre it just stands out like the proverbial. That's what that should be the standard control tyre for V8 supercars. And there's a lot, a lot of drivers who agree with this. And then you go softer, super soft, you know, to introduce, throw in this element of, um, you know, strategic Russian roulette, if you like, um, and then go further, let them use the super soft tyre in qualifying so that we see the cars, particularly in the top 10 shootout, at their absolute fastest, you know, minimal fuel, tweaked suspension, tweaked engine, Super grippy tyres at their best. See how fast these cars can go. We might actually even see, you know, routinely some lap records broken instead of every year. You know, as the sport goes on, you know, they struggle to match um, lap records or qualifying records. You know, particularly that was set, you know, several years ago. We know why that was different era, but it just looks silly to me. So that's the soft tyre in itself. You know, is not a great success. It just points where we should go. The big, biggest success of the season, I reckon it's a toss-up between the success of the Townsville street race event or just the very fact that V8 supercars, in this instance, a.k.a. Tony Cochran, have actually got the street race up at Homebush at the Sydney Olympic Park. I mean, that, that really was an extraordinary get, and the fact that it now exists, we're going to be there on the weekend, um, I reckon it's got to be claimed to being... Um, the biggest success of the season, but until we have seen it, I'll go to Townsville because it was a rip-roaring success, so much so that I wish I'd actually gone up to it. Mm. All right, what's been the biggest flop of the season, folks? Oh, no doubt in my mind, it was going back to Phillip Island um, to uh, as a standing event for the postponed um, visit to Bahrain. It was just dismal down there. Not weather-wise for a change, it was beautiful weather, but just so few people, honestly, on the Saturday. You know, I reckon it would have been a race between the Saturday turnout and the turnout at Bahrain as to which had the smaller crowd. Um, and it wasn't a huge amount better on the Sunday to my eyes. And then they came out and said that the combined two-day meeting crowd was 
uh, a bit over 15,000. Um, that just beggars belief. And then they claimed that there were more people on Saturday than there were on Sunday, 7,700, compared with 7,500 on Sunday, please. I mean, do they take us for idiots? So, I mean, it was just, it was such a cobbled-together meeting. And it's really scary for big supercars, this, you know, so-called super sport, that, you know, when there's a surprise visit back to, you know, a track normally near Melbourne, you know, getting to the business end of the season, nobody turns up effectively. <laughs> I mean, I just can't, I'm sorry. It just it was not a good look. I, I think it was a, a very serious mistake to do that, know all the reasons why they did it. But if they weren't going to do it properly, why do it all? Because to me, it looked very bad. Neville, what was your flop of the year? Well, I think Phillip Island came a very close second to FPR. To me, that was the biggest flop of the year. I mean, that team oh. really had some flashes of brilliance, but pff, wasn't really a force this year. Um, I just know that team can do better, and um, I think most of the V8 fraternity know that team can do better. Even that team knows it can do better, but it just didn't happen. So, uh, to me, that was the biggest flop of the year. All right, my biggest success of the year was actually Vance Supercar Events, who, notwithstanding the uh, comments of Fogues, um, I think they've done a fantastic job just to get all the events they had to get up in this year. The biggest flop of the year for me was uh, Channel 7's coverage of the Bahrain moved round. It uh, didn't help when your uh, major TV partner doesn't bother to show you in most markets. Now, now Hang on. Hey, Craig, excuse yeah. me. Um, I'm sorry. When did I diss V8 supercar events in toto? I no, don't no. think so. You just said the you said the Phillip Island event wasn't yeah. uh, a spectacular event, and that wasn't. was of course work but through that, with V8 yeah, Supercar Yeah, but that was only, that was one. Wasn't. And I'm saying, yeah, I put that aside and still give V8 Supercar events the gong for the most success, biggest success well, yeah. of the season. Yeah, if you want to suck up to them, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but then don't dump me in it by saying I've just blanketed, you know, written them off as a bunch of bumblers. I didn't say that. Well, I'll let you say that when you want to say that. I highlighted the inadequacies of of revisiting Phillip Island. I have no other comment on supercar, V8 supercar V8s, V8 supercar events, um, handling of other events. The other events that they promoted seem to work just fine. How can you tell when Paul Morris is telling you the truth? You can't. When he's not talking. Exactly. I was, say, I was going to say when he absolutely categorically not denies what you ask him. So and actually, I'm not saying actually, actually, I'm not saying he lies, but I'm saying that there's things that he admits to out. I wasn't like, saying. Instance, I wasn't when, asking you how can you tell when he was lying. I was asking how can well, you tell when he's telling the truth. Well, put it this yeah. way, I don't think he can. Um, for instance, uh, for instance, uh, the, the rumour is that Murphy's going to the temple. We probably much, pretty much know that. And it's going to be Castro. Well, we know Castro's going to the team. And the rumour is that Murphy's gone. Now, uh, Paul Morris can come out and say, oh, no, Murphy isn't driving for the super cheap auto team. That's not going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And that's what he's been saying. Now, in technically, is correct, because Murphy will probably be driving for the Castro team. So, you know, you might say, well, OK, Paul, is, uh, is, you know, is Murphy going to join Paul Morris Motorsport? You know, and this is the way he gets, he does that. So he doesn't really answer it 
totally either, but he, but he's not technically, he's kind of telling the truth, but not if you know what I mean. At the Sydney race, well, is it the final hey frontier? Hey Hello. Hello. Yes. Sorry, don't I get an opinion? Oh, sorry. I so thought you just said it. No, I was, that was a flippant reply that you can tell, you know, when you ask when, he, when can you tell Paul Morris is telling the truth, and I flippantly said, you know, when he's not speaking. But on this issue, I, I don't, you know, Resorting to semantics is disingenuous. You know, that's no defence, saying, oh, no, I never told a lie because, you know, I was asked, is he going to be joining super cheap auto racing? Well, you know, strictly that technically is correct, but it's, you know, it's not in, it's just not in the spirit of the question and the answer certainly isn't. And, and there's something weird about this whole deal that's apparently led, well, not apparently, has led to Greg Murphy uh, joining Paul Morris Motorsport in a Castrol backed, uh, with Castrol backing and Greg Murphy driving. And I don't think it's been as clear cut as been made out. Um, my information is that this, this deal has, you know, has been like a roller coaster. It's been up, it's down, up and down, and it's taken a whole lot of work. And as recently as earlier this week, the whole thing wasn't actually signed on the dotted line. Oh, I agree. Clearly, that was intention, that's where Murph goes. And this, it certainly wasn't a done deal, as has been made out elsewhere to a point of chest-thumping in a particular section of the media. You know, it certainly wasn't a done deal or anywhere near it or even actually um, close to, you know, something that was going to happen when the rumour first started. Um, it ran rampant during the Super GP at Surface Paradise. Well, I know for a fact that at that point it was actually a dead duck. So it was just typically, you know... and this happens, the media, you know, were out of sync and got whisper of the rumours. Now, it's had a couple of, you know, it's a bit like Freddy Krueger, you know, every time you think it's dead, it's suddenly, you know, the clawed hand, you know, comes up out of, out of the earth and it, it's, you know, it's, it's got a life again and, um, and that's what's been happening. It's been a very uh, tortuous route getting to this point and um, I certainly know that Kelly Racing were definitely in the frame and very strong contenders, but I think it's been the whole, I, you know, in the end, my summation or my observation is that Castrol has, has driven this whole thing. Uh, I think Castrol, in char- Castrol are the ones that are determining which is who the driver's going to be, I reckon. Yeah, they've driven this in the end, but boy, you know, it, they've been around the Mulberry Bush a bit as well. You know, there's been a lot of, um, of the proverbial flying off the fan in the background. Um, the Australian division of Castrol, which is owned by BP, um, weren't very popular internationally because Castrol um, and BP have a strong business and motorsport relationship with both BP and Castrol and the international edict basically is that if Castrol and or BP are getting involved in motorsport and Ford are running a motorsport uh, factory backed uh, motorsport operation, Castrol goes with that. So when Castrol announced oh, look, we want a car with all our colours on it, we want full livery um, we're leaving FPR the Ford factory backed team and going elsewhere, this caused ripples and ructions everywhere. And this is why suddenly, magically, Castrol are back with FPR. They yeah, were on the signage on both cars. <laughs> but they'd already done a deal with, apparently, Paul Morris Motorsport to sponsor a car. Um, so they're stuck with that. And you may find that this Castrol deal with Paul Morris Motorsport is only for a year, because my mail is that after a year, um, they've got to go back to putting their resources into a Ford-backed team, should there be one around. So there's a lot more of this story to go.
Um, and even I even was hearing at one stage that you know Castrol getting involved with Paul Morris Motorsport was problematic in that Castrol, another division, the retail division of Castrol, puts most of the money into what is the super cheap sponsorship of Russell Ingalls car because um, super cheap are the biggest customer of Castrol and, you know, among the um, you know auto accessory uh, retail shops. And the money that's going, you know, on the other car that was on Richo's FPR car this year and that's going on to, we believe, Murphy's car, that comes out of marketing. And there was a school of thought at one stage that, you know, Castrol getting heavily involved um, with, a, with a full liveried car for the second Paul Morris motorsport entry would have, would have upset um, super cheap autos, you know, rivals like, I guess, Autobahn and any... Um, any of those other auto accessory type places because they, they're also big retailers of Castro uh, as well. So um, there's been a lot going on in the background to all this one and when the full story comes out, it'll be pretty interesting, I think. Mm, it is. Now, the, finally, the final question in our three minutes of Guess and Go. As the Sydney race is the final frontier for Tony Cochran, will they see him move out of the V8 supercar limelight folks? Mm, we do seem to be suffering some sort of temporal distortion because it's the longest three minutes of my life. And I'm only contributing to it, aren't I? But um, Tony Cochran, will he remain as chairman of EA Supercars? Come on, that's a quick, yes. easy one. Yes. Yes, he yes for but me. He's, but he, he has been, you know, throwing around and trying to decide whether he wants to continue. But you know where his deliberations will go. He'll restand um, for election as chairman, not this time not going back to non-executive chairman um, when the VA Supercar board meets... Um, in Sydney on Monday after the Telstra Sydney 500 weekend. Um, he certainly won't restand as executive chairman. He wants out of that. He's, um, he's been overburdened by the workload of having to run the sport day to day, as you know, he's always run the sport and always will. So he's definitely not going to continue as executive chairman. And we expect um, this weekend that the new chief executive officer, who will be the new day-to-day boss of Air Supercars, um, well, we understand he's been chosen and, and uh, appointed and he, we believe, should be announced this weekend. I have no idea who it will be. I would have thought, given um, recent history, it was a bit of a poison chalice, but we'll see who it is and see how he goes. Mm. Well, Neville... I'm the same as folks. We I'm got the, same. the answer there. <laughs> That's Gas and Go, brought to you by V8X Magazine for another week. Thanks very much, folks, for joining us. It's going to be you back in your hometown, I guess, and you'll be hoping that this thing is a motor-racing success. I will be uh, in Sydney, all eyes, watching, and be very interested. I'm sure it'll be a, a big weekend. Good to talk to you, Craig. See you, Nev. See you up there. See you, See you folks. Neville, thanks, up there, thanks for joining us there. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, up. I'm already up here. Until next week as the checker flag waves over the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.